right, all you good, wonderful citizens of Crypt Nation. Welcome back to another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. I'm your host, Bryce Paul. Today, I'm not joined by my trusty compadre, my best friend, Mr. Pizza Mind. Uh, he is in uh, consensus right now, and he left me behind, uh, but that's okay. I still love him. Uh, we are joined by a fantastic guest who's going to bring the energy, going to bring the excitement. We've got a, a whole host of questions for him. We got Tom Fleetum from Zillica. Tom, welcome to the show. Hey, Bryce. Great to be here. Great to meet you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. So, so Zillica, man, they've been around for a long time. I, I remember back in the, the 2017 bull run, Zillica was like a household name with with all the crypto traders. And it's been, you know, five or six years since you guys were born and you're still here. You're still building. Um, and so we're going to dive into to all the, the fantastic things that you guys got going on. But before we do that, let's just get acquainted here. Tom, how, how did you kind of find yourself in the crypto industry? What were you doing before? And, and really, like, why did you come to decide to build in crypto? Sure. Yeah. So probably quite a unusual background, really. So, so I first got into crypto in 2017, like a lot of people, although I came into it actually through playing online poker. So um, those that have ever played online poker in the US will be familiar with uh, some of the reasons uh, why that happened with Black Friday and everything. Uh, and, and that's kind of when I first heard about Bitcoin and some of the use cases associated with it. Then coincidentally, I also started working in sports and entertainment for IBM around the same time. Didn't really see any compelling use cases for blockchain in sports and entertainment for many years. And so, so saw them as two separate things, really. And then, of course, the NFT explosion uh, happened in 2020, followed by um, play to earn and Axie Infinity in 2021 or whatever it was. And then I suddenly realized, oh, wow, these two worlds are coming together. And this, I realized that it was a really hugely significant uh, change for sports and entertainment. But I also felt that it was just moving so quickly that I really needed to be fully immersed in the space to keep up with everything that was going on. So that's what uh, led me to to look outside of IBM and led me to my current role leading business development for sports and gaming for Zillica. Wow. Yeah, I think uh, of, of all the folks that we've had on the show, you know, I don't know if anybody has really come from like the sports world and the entertainment world in, in that capacity. So it's a very unique perspective that you'll be able to share with us today. And I guess, you know, I, I really think we should drive a lot of the conversation towards NFTs. Because that seems where where like a lot of the the sports and entertainment intersection is with crypto, so so tell us a little bit about Zillica's stance on NFTs. Is that something that they're they're really trying to grow, or are they more focused on uh, you know consumer payments and DeFi or, or stuff like that? Yeah, so um, Z Zillica as a chain, I think there's a few things that make us different from what the other layer ones are doing. So firstly, from a technology perspective, we were the first layer one to launch sharding in simple terms, which is probably the best terms for me to explain it. It, it means that we're designed in a, 
in a way that enables us to achieve high scalability without compromising on decentralization or security. In, in layman terms for gaming, what that really means is that we've got the potential to create dedicated shards for gaming. We can make different trade-offs with those shards without causing congestion to the kind of core chain. And that's why gaming, from a strategic perspective, is a really strong focus for us, alongside NFTs and also the metaverse. They're, they're really the three areas that, that we're focused on. I think it's also worth pointing out that from a strategy perspective, we're also doing things slightly differently from other layer ones in that we're actually building our own products for end users, not just for crypto projects, if that makes sense. So, And we're doing this with multidisciplinary teams. So for in gaming, for example, we've got a CTO who's worked for AAA publishers. He's also run his own studio. We've got a business development manager who's an experienced game analyst from Tencent. Uh, we, we've even got an ex esports player who happens to also be a DeFi DJ who's That's awesome. uh, working on our tokenomics. So when you put all this together, it, it gives us a real range of experience. And the fact that we're also actually building end products for users really gives us an insight into what these projects really need. So for example, in gaming, we've recently developed an SDK for Unity, uh, the Unity gaming engine. And, and this makes it really easy for studios to come and work with us and integrate their games onto our chain. And ultimately, where we're going with this is the fact that we're building Web3 products um, will also enable us to create what I'm trying to coin as the Zillica meta game. And what mm. I mean by that is, because we're going to be owning some of these products, we're going to be able to incentivize users to repeatedly come back and deepen their engagement across the ecosystem. Mm. So yeah, long, long winded way of answering your question, but yeah, for sure. We're heavily focused on NFTs on the metaverse and also um, on play to earn gaming. Yeah, I, I'm learning from a lot of these different crypto funds, basically, that were they're big DeFi guys, but now they're kind of getting into this blockchain gaming world. And they're saying that's where the next hundred million crypto users are actually going to come from. They're going to be direct imports, basically, from the world of gaming. I, I'm curious, like, is there a definition of blockchain gaming that you use or, or maybe an analogy? Like when I think of blockchain gaming, like what makes it blockchain based? Is it the fact that all the items are, you know, unique and you could kind of transfer them around to your wallet and into the game? Or is it that the money system in there is, is all crypto and you could, uh, you know, like you said, play to earn, or is it that, you know, the third kind of thing I think about is like, is every single action recorded on a blockchain, right? Every little movement um, so that there's no kind of like tampering with uh, with the game. How do you kind of think of it? Yeah, so so to your first point, the, the sort of 100 million users point, I think Axie Infinity, um, the first kind of well-known play to earn game, I, I think it achieved a couple of really important firsts. And these were what gave me the conviction that this was really going to drive the next exponential growth in users. And, and, and those firsts were that 
First of all, they onboarded millions of non-crypto natives to use a DAP for a first time, right? All those people typically like mainly in Indonesia, they, they were not crypto natives beforehand. They just found an opportunity and uh, and went with it. The, the other thing that Axie did was bring genuine utility to both NFTs and um, governance tokens, DeFi governance tokens, effectively for the first time. I know that other other interesting NFT projects um, that would cl- would claim a similar effect. But if if you put that together, I think that's that's really powerful. Now, of course, that first generation of games um, had its flaws, and we're starting to see how the the first generation of tokenomic models are starting to fall down now. There's been big dips in um, the token prices, but also it, it, it seems that most of these models are not really sustainable once new users stop coming in. Right, And so it, it, in that way, I think the initial wave of play to earn projects can probably be deemed to have not been a sustainable success. But I think it has done a lot to kind of set the foundation and set off a load of experimentation, which is where we're in now, where new tokenomic models are being explored. All sorts of different gaming genres are exper- experimenting with adopting blockchain. And that can be every all of the things you said in, in your question, that, c- that can be a very simple integration of um, NFTs into the game so that instead of, instead of the game holding your digital assets and you that you're that you're earning in the game you can actually take ownership of those potentially extract value from the game if if you want to all the way through to purely on-chain games that are really trying to push the boundaries as far as they can in in that way and i think this amount of ex- experimentation and also this amount of investment into gaming which is completely unprecedented is just bound to unearth some really new and exciting um, gaming genres, probably ones that we've never even seen before, potentially, and for sure some um, more sustainable um, play-to-earn models. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to to see what some of the the new, more sustainable play-to-earn models are, the more sustainable user acquisition models because, you know, like you said, like the liquidity mining and the, uh, you know, those sort of kind of farm tokens and stuff that, that we saw with Axie Infinity and a lot of the other DeFi stuff, it just proved to kind of, in retrospect, crater the price of these assets. And so there has to be some more sustainable model down the line. Um, I'm not sure if, if that's something that you guys have already got fleshed out um, or if it's just things that you guys are thinking about. Yeah, so... So it's certainly certainly something we're working on for sure. So we're um, we're currently building our own first person shooter, and we're designing the uh, the tokenomic model for that. And for sure, we're looking at some of those that have not been sustainably successful, and, and and looking to learn from those as well as injecting our own kind of creativity into the process. But the way I look at it is that generation one too focused on the crypto side basically mm-hmm. basically like defi with extra steps and um some interesting or not so interesting kind of gamification attached like a pig to it, with right? lipstick exactly exactly yeah 
generation two, which, and, and that's what I think is really going on now is truly going to be focused on gamers. This is obviously going to be much better, right? You're going to have genuinely high quality gaming experiences that then reward players for the time that they're spending the game in more tangible ways by enabling them to extract um, NFTs and or um, fungible tokens from the game. I think that's good and is likely to lead to some more sustainable models and and some winners that um, stand the test of time. But what I'm really excited about is what will come after that. So like generation three, I suppose, which is is where I think we end up with probably just a handful of really culturally significant games that may even be brand new genres that we've not even seen before. And I, I can envisage a world where the the whales, if you like, of those games um, want to own the key assets or skins or avatars or whatever it is within that game so much that they're willing to invest quite a lot of money into the game, something that we see quite regularly in sort of standard free-to-play models in traditional gaming. And that there's no reason why that significant investment into the game can't then fund, say, 70 or 80% of other players making a profit. Once you get to that kind of level, that's when play to earn potentially becomes viable and something that's that's sustainable. I also think long term, and this is this is probably a few years down the line, but if we can get there, then that can lead you to a world where you no longer have to be in the top five, in the top sort of 0.01% of players to be a professional esports player. Maybe you only have to be in the top 5% of players. And that's really significant. And the result would be millions and millions of people who can actually make a living through gaming. So, so yeah, I think it's a long we're a long way off, still very early in this kind of experimentation cycle, but I'm really excited about where it's going. So this episode of the Crypto 101 podcast is sponsored by Crypto.com. Now, when Aaron and I took over the Crypto 101 podcast many years ago, creating a safe exchanges list was really at the top of our to-do list. It was extremely important for us to document the most secure exchanges that we could possibly think of, uh, places where our listeners and followers could buy and sell and trade crypto. And when we officially rolled out that safe exchanges list, crypto.com was at the top of the list. And even more importantly, it's still featured there. Look, crypto.com is the world's fastest growing app where you can buy and sell 250 plus cryptocurrencies at true cost. They have a lot of different products. Their app has crypto earn where you can get passive income and there's no annual fee uh, for their crypto visa cards where you could earn cash back in crypto and bonuses on tokens Uh, and you can also turn crypto to cash in seconds with their visa card which includes hundreds of popular subscription rebates look all you got to do is join the 10 million plus users who are buying and selling cryptocurrencies at crypto.com and look you can use our referral code Crypto 101 to get $25 in a funding bonus. How's that sound? So again, visit crypto.com and enter in our referral code, Crypto 101. Okay, terms and conditions do apply.
Do you have any strong views on uh, just based on what you said, you know, people making a living through gaming? And do you have any strong views on if that is going to be like a large kind of secular trend that that occurs throughout, um, you know, maybe the next 10 years? And I just kind of frame it with uh, this concept of like, you know, the, the world really is changing right now. You know, nobody's going back into work. There's there's been paradigm shifts that have kind of been uh, catalyzed by COVID. And, and I think that, you know, whether you want to call it universal basic income or, or other forms of subsidies like that, or just new forms of work. And if, if gaming can truly be a form of, you know, income for people, do you think that that's possible? I think, I think it's a really interesting thing to think about. So I agree with you that the world's changing in so many ways. And you look at some of the signals you're getting from what businesses are doing as well, right? Like Facebook and Meta, you look at um, Microsoft purchasing, Activision, Blizzard. Mm. These are kind of really big. And, and then Axie Infinity as well. And, and what they achieved a couple of years ago, that, that's these are like really significant shifts that to me kind of say the world's ready for something new, or at least the, the entertainment world's ready for something new and a significant shift. That said, I think for now, I don't actually think the play to earn phrase is particularly useful and because it does kind of set that expectation that all participants in the game are going to extract value, which for now, at least, isn't a, a viable, sustainable model. Mm. So at Zillica, really, we're, we're saying and our vision is that we don't believe in participation medals for turning up and playing and that you should actually only be earning for the game if you genuinely earn it. So we're trying to position ourselves as the, the win-to-earn chain and really focusing on competitive genres that appeal to the esports partners um, who we work with and, and, and their fan bases. So that's really the kind of niche we're trying to carve out for ourselves within within the ga- the blockchain gaming world. Yeah, I love that. And, and that's actually a, a niche that kind of no other blockchain gaming uh, project that I've heard of is going after. Um, and you guys are already making massive inroads into the esports world. Uh, with partnerships uh, from organizations like RRQ, Mad Lions, Ninja and Pajamas. Tell us about, you know, how you kind of made some of these come together uh, and what the the purpose is and the overarching idea behind some of those partnerships are. Yeah, sure. So um, our esports partners really, for for Zilliqa and gaming, our, our main routes to a a non-crypto native audience, right? Um, we, but they're but they're way more than brand awareness. You, you've got we've got access to professional esports players that can stream playing games on Zillica. They can the teams can compete against each other in tournaments playing games on Zillica, and ultimately, once once these games are launched, we're going to be able to reach. Um, a, a direct audience of about 12 million fans and then also wow. have access to streamers with hundreds of millions of followers. Nearly all of these people are gamers. Most of them, or at least the, the research we've looked at says that most of them have at least some interest in blockchain. Maybe that's only owning some Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever on a centralized exchange. But if we can get the 
the, the messaging right, the story right, and the user journey right, then there's no reason why we can't take a big chunk of those people on their, their next step um, down the, uh, the blockchain rabbit hole. And for us, we want that to either be into our uh, metaverse that we're building called Metapolis. We want it to be purchasing NFT on our um, NFT marketplace, Rialto, or we want it to be um, playing one of our uh, blockchain uh, games. So in terms of some of your old colleagues at IBM uh, in that <laughs> entire cohort or class of people, do you, do you see them as kind of getting warm to blockchain gaming now, or are they still largely skeptics? So I think it comes, I, I, I think to be honest, companies like IBM are taking blockchain seriously um, and they've invested a lot over the years in research into this space as well as um, into other emerging technologies like quantum computing and VR or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, it comes down to incentives. And mm. um, if you look at IBM's biggest customers, they're, they're generally large banks, energy companies, and public sector organizations. So decentralization is a pretty hard sell to, <laughs> to any of those. And once you take away decentralization, generally the use cases for blockchain stop making a lot of sense, right? You can just use a centralized database instead. I think you can make the same case for AAA gaming publishers and and also for large sports organizations. Taking blockchain seriously is one thing. Hiring strategy consultants to um, help you develop roadmaps on how you're going to adopt it which is what i used to do um <laughs> it, it, it is another but find finding a way to embrace it that that doesn't like hurt your revenue in the short term is is quite another and um i think that's that's the real challenge um the organizations most to be honest legacy organizations if you if you can call them that are facing wow i love it um, what's kind of next for Zillica? I mean, you guys have been doing so much and have already accomplished, but what, what's kind of next up on the roadmap, call it for the, for the back half of 2022. Yes. There's loads, loads happening, but we're just, there's still, um, there's still a lot to launch. So although, so our, our metaverse metapolis, we've, um, launched the metaverse as a service part, part of, uh, metapolis, which basically means that we're open for business in terms of, uh, brands coming to us and um, purchasing cities and domes within the metaverse, but we still yet to launch the actual, the actual metaverse itself from a user perspective. So that's that's coming further down the line. We're also going to be launching our um, NFT marketplace, Rialto. That's um, that's also going to be this year, and then. I don't know exactly when the launch date is going to be yet, but we're also developing our own first-person shooter blockchain game, and that's mm. that's going to be coming. Um, al- alongside of all that, we've got lots of partnership conversations going on that are, um, are very exciting. We're looking to work with other, other blockchain gaming projects that are working with other chains but have a multi-chain strategy. We're talking to various gaming studios from all walks of life, some of whom are blockchain focused, some focused more on traditional gaming. 
Um, and we're also working with a number of kind of VCs and launch pads to make sure that we get access to really high quality blockchain gaming projects. Um, so yeah, absolutely loads happening. Can't wait to look back on what we've achieved in six months to a year and um, see how much progress we've made. Love it. Now, now Tom, I kind of want to switch gears and I want to go back to one of the first things that you mentioned was that you're a former uh, poker player and a very serious <laughs> one at that. And again, we, we don't get many former poker players on the show. So I got to pick your brain while I have you. And uh, I hear a lot of people who are former poker players kind of come over to crypto and start trading. They say there's a lot of similarities between poker and trading. And I'm wondering, you know, do you see that? Do you, are you, you know, do you trade ever? And uh, if you do, or if you don't, like, can you kind of see where that similarity might overlap? Yeah. So I wasn't a particularly good poker player and I think I'm an even worse trader to be honest, which is probably, <laughs> probably why I've um, ended up working full-time in the industry <laughs> as my day job, because it's a, bit, a better way for me to um, yeah, stay involved and yeah, not lose all my money. But, but yeah, for sure. I, I did dabble in trading back in 2017 and um I think there probably are some crossovers like in terms of if you think about any single trade or any single poker hands, you know, going into it, that there's a chance that you're going to lose, even if you've got the best hand and even if you've made the correct decision from a trading point of view. So I think that's where the kind of key similarity lies. Mm, risk management. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so just because you've got two aces in your hands doesn't, I don't know, give you only like a 51% chance of winning the hand or something like that. I can't remember <laughs> the maths anymore, depending on the number of players and where, where you are in the hand, right? And it's it's very similar in that respect uh, in a trade, trading perspective. But yeah, I can't claim to be particularly good at either. So uh, I'll, I'll stop, I'll stop, <laughs> stop uh, rambling about you there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's always good. It's always good. I love just hearing the, the different insights from all different walks of life, because, you know, I think sometimes people, again, this is crypto 101. So this is maybe even a lot of times the first podcast that somebody had listened to when, when they were learning about crypto and they might think, oh, crypto is filled with only tech guys, right? They're, they're only coders, or, or maybe they come from the other side. They're like, oh, crypto is only filled with a bunch of, uh, you know, investment bankers or whatever. And so it's always good to show that, you know, crypto is for everyone. People come from all walks of life, all different skill sets, and, and there's kind of something for everybody here. But kind of along those same lines and, and in closing, um, one of my questions that I like to ask everyone that comes on the show is um, for, for all those new folks that are out there listening that, that, that want to get involved, whether it's in your project or just in the crypto ecosystem broadly, uh, what's like one word of advice or one word of wisdom from a guy who's been in this space for a long time? He's seen bull markets and bear markets. He's seen projects fail and succeed. What's one word of wisdom that, that could really keep people on the straight and narrow? Yeah. So uh, um, going back to your, the point you just made about people being um, from all walks of life, I think that's an important point because when I first got into crypto back in 2017, there wasn't actually a lot you could do with it, right? <laughs> like it, it was, it was really you just, just lose money. Uh, That's it. You could, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or make a lot if you're lucky and then lose it later. Yeah. <laughs> but 
that's changed now, right? So that it's actually got a lot easier to genuinely um, use the technology and actually do interesting things on chain. And I think for me, the first, where I get frustrated actually is when people come and ask me for advice, but they don't, they just want to get rich quickly without actually putting in any work and they just want to know what to buy. Right. And, and I think ultimately, even if I somehow gave them the, the great bit of advice and the right project, it still wouldn't work because they wouldn't have built up any conviction. And so mm. they'd sell too early anyway. Right. right. And so for me, the most important thing, going back to your point, is firstly decide what you're into. Are you interested in NFTs? Is it the metaverse? Is it DeFi? Are you that way inclined? Or is it blockchain gaming? That's probably the first thing to decide because that's kind of the four areas that where there's genuinely interesting things that you can do on chain now. Once you've done that, maybe then dive a bit deeper pick a specific project that genuinely speaks to you and you think, okay, within say the gaming sector, I've seen this up and coming project. It's really interesting. I'm going to learn how to play at that point. You're probably going to need to work out what wallet you need. You're going to probably need to load that wallet with some coins. I tend to advise people don't put in more than say what you'd spend on a big night out, for example, and and expect that you're going to lose it all right, but just see it as money that you're paying for education or entertainment or a bit of both. Then go and play the game, buy the NFT, explore the metaverse or play with DeFi or whatever it is, either until you lose it all or you get bored or maybe if you're lucky, you manage to make some money. And I think for most people, they'll learn way more through doing that kind of one on-chain end-to-end journey than they will from, um, not to disparage what you guys are doing, but from podcasts and YouTube videos. And, and, and actually, I think that will help most people to build the conviction that you need to actually become an investor in this space. And it will also make it easier for you to spot scams if you actually understand how this stuff works. I think where people go wrong is just looking for that get rich quick option and it it just doesn't work probably also worth mentioning mentioning that i've given this advice to loads of people and literally nobody's ever taken it so i'd, <laughs> I'd be delighted to uh hear if any of your uh, listeners do actually do that <laughs> all right everybody make tom proud go download a wallet uh buy some bitcoin send it around in fact you know that was some of the first advice that i got uh, when I first got started in the industry, um, I heard a presentation about how, you know, crypto and blockchain was going to change not only, um, you know, the financial world, but the media world and, and the supply chain and logistics world and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, holy smokes. And his advice was, hey, don't just listen to this stuff. Go download Coinbase, buy some Bitcoin, buy some Ethereum, and then send it to a different wallet, send it to a different exchange and then trade it around and just get your feeling for it, get your hands on the technology. Um, and then it becomes that much more real. So Tom, I think that's a great note, uh, to, to leave all the, the wonderful listeners of crypto one one with as they go about their crypto journey. Um, and before we let you go, Tom, where can we, uh, you know, keep in touch, uh, where can, does, uh, do you have a Twitter account? Are you big on a certain blogging platform or anything? 
No, no I'm uh, not, not really. You can see uh, I occasionally post on LinkedIn, so Tom Fleet on, on LinkedIn. You can you can read all about what Zilliqa are up to on Zilliqa.com or on the uh, the, the various um, Zilliqa social handles and. Uh, and yeah, that's the best way to follow, follow what we're up to and hear updates about uh, the games we're building and everything else that we're doing. Beautiful. All right. Well, I very much enjoyed this, Tom. Thank you for your time uh, and everyone at home listening. Stay tuned. We got more guests coming up later this week. 